This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. All right then, here we are. It's me and Rich today. Uh, No Natalie. Which she might pop right around the corner later, but uh, we'll see what happens. But for now, you stuck with my Dorset Tones. Me and Rich were here to dissect uh, not the best couple of weeks of the season, it's fair to say. Uh, where do you want to start, Rich? Should we have a look at? We'll have a look at the Newcastle game first of all. Uh, talking points such as they were, and then we put that in some context. So, talk to me. You're a lot more down than I am. Let, let's let's have your feelings on on it as a whole first. So yeah, good evening, Tom. Uh, hello, listeners. I hope we're all well wherever we're listening from. It's. I was just saying then to Tom. It's just kind of. I'm still in shock with the last two games. If I'm being honest, it's just someone like us and I think it's really really frustrating that we should be in a position where you know we should be you know it it, it should be done and dusted and you know there's still that lingering doubt that you know what happens if Fulham or you know it's in West I, I think it's too late for West Brom but you know they've started to pick up results and um, you know I know we keep saying it but end of the season funny things happen under pressure um, and at the end of the day you know Wolves and uh, Fulham and West Brom almost at this stage has got nothing to lose and it kind of you know and we're and we're playing with a with a lot of fear yeah it's just been that frustration that we've kind of not put it to bed and yeah it's still lingering on and just the last couple of performances I know you mentioned Tom you know we've, we've it's been very unburnly like and just so just so you know we've 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 been really soft we, we, we have been a soft touch yeah I think the most frustrating thing about the Newcastle game was that it reminded me a bit actually of uh Remember the the season we got into Europe, Watford away. I think someone might have said this as well in our chat. I think in that game against Watford, we played well for about three minutes and we won 2-1, came from behind. It reminded me a bit of that game. So Newcastle, they didn't really have to work, did they, at all? I mean, one they looked cruising at half-time. Newcastle got nothing about them. You knew that at some point, Sam Maximum and Wilson are going to come on. You knew then we're going we're gonna to have a different test. But the, the ease in which they took the game as soon as them two come on and then the fact that they just... Again, well, like I said, they played well for three minutes, didn't they? And, and they got the win. Um, they were cruising after after the second goal. Um, 
yeah, it was, and like you say, very young Burnley like it. Exactly, I, I thought, you know, last week's Southampton, it was a bit of a mad one. You know, it's not often she's given a two-goal lead, but I thought, well, it's a one-off, you know, these things happen. They're a bit rusty. They've had a few weeks off. We've got a winnable game next week. But, yeah, it was the... Uh, the the ease with which we were beaten is not something you uh you associate with us and it was it was a bit a bit of a concern it's fair to say yeah like you said Tom it was just five minutes I always had it in the back of my head that obviously set maximum and Wilson even though Wilson didn't actually do that much but you know maybe just the battle scars from Nerva early in in the season when set maximum kind of won the game for Newcastle then and he did exactly the same. Literally in the space of five minutes, you know, he'd set up the first goal. And the second goal for me, I just can't believe, you know, I've actually watched it back quite a few times to, you know, to actually almost kind of see what happened. And one thing Wilson did do, he took Ben Mee away with the run. You know, he, he made a good run there, so we had to follow him. Tarkovsky, yeah, he should he should have just tackled, you know, he should have just engaged him and even if he fouls him with 30 yards to go, we just bring him down. And then the, the second one, I don't know if it's this both players have switched off or it's managers in instructions, but both West, Westwood and Brownhill are both 20 yards up the, uh, you know, like away, you know, up the pitch when St. Maximum's picking the ball up. Surely, you know, it's one all. Okay, he's, you know, St. Maximum's come on. He's, he's, he's picked the ball up in that pocket. Just one of you two sit in that midfield area and, and just stopping breaking on, on our two centre-halves. And it's something that I've noticed a lot in the in the last recent games. It's really good that we look like we're going to score more. But, on you know, to flip that, we you know, we do look far more open at the back. Going way back to the first goal Arsenal scored against us was a goal where, you know, we we tried to press him high, which did work for our equaliser when Shaka gave the ball away. But ultimately, if if teams beat that press against us, we're just really exposed against the back four. And as we know, you know our defence isn't quick at all. Uh, you know, and we've and we've really struggled with that. So I know it's that fine balance, but I just thought it was as soon as that maximum come on, it was, there was about half an hour to go. I know it's a little bit negative. I think we should have just sat. You know, our midfield should have just sat a little bit deeper. At least for you know ten minutes or so, but yeah, I know it's all well and good in hindsight. When you watch the goal back, it's just a catalogue of errors, you know, individual and 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 team shape errors, which have caused that goal. And don't get me wrong, it's a great goal, isn't it, by him? You know, we'd love someone like we'd love somebody like that in our team who can who can change the game in five minutes. Yeah, I think uh, for me, I think the midfield is uh, is probably the, the key to it. Um, I've said there was a good. I haven't read it, but there's a piece in The Athletic this week, and it's talking about the difference with uh, Brownhill and Westwood as opposed to Cork and Westwood. Um, and I think that, that that was why we lost against Southampton, is because they were, for a good sort of half an hour in the middle of that game, they were just running the midfield. It's difficult sometimes 3v2. Uh, we saw in the Everton game, a big part of that win was the fact that Brownhill and Westwood were pushing and pressing so high up the pitch. But as you say, when it works, it looks really good and we get more goals. But when it's not working, the defence looks really exposed. And a big part of why Tarkovsky, me and Pope always look so good is because they have that protection from the, from the midfield. And that's been lacking. Like you say, Sir Maximum is a good player. But we, as we said, he's not really had to work for that goal because of the gap that's in that midfield. So um, the, a, a big discussion point then that comes with that is uh, midfield for the next game for Man United. Are you leaving 
what what midfield pairing are you playing with? Do you think Brallen and Westwood can play that bit further back? Would you be looking to bring Cork in for that game? I think we've discussed this on this podcast quite regularly, haven't we, Jack Cork? And I think everybody on is a you know who's part of the known in ever podcast is a big fan of Jack Cork. You know he maybe doesn't do. You know, he's not the most fancy of players, but I think he's very, very reliable. He's great on the ball, doesn't give it away. And I think he gives a lot more calmness to the midfield. And I genuinely think he would have sniffed out that danger. He would have, not not to say that, you know, hindsight's a wonderful thing, um, you know, the you know the last couple of games. But I think if Cork's in there, he does shore it up a little bit. It's, you know, it's harsh on Brownhill because I actually think Brownhill's got more talent than both of them. Um, you know, I think he's got more to his game, but he's still learning at this level. I think just for this United game, we're not going to have a lot of the ball. I'd go back to your tried and trusted method of Cork and and Westwood in this in this in central midfield. Um, but you know, yeah, so that's what I would go for, Tom and, and yourself. Yeah, I think we look a little bit unbalanced with Westwood and and uh, and Brownell there in in these kind of games where we need to try and sit. So I think. The, their instinct for both is to is to play that little bit higher up the pitch, and I think, like you say, Cork is a bit more maybe positionally aware, a bit more of a deep line midfielder. I think that's something that we've always struggled with because we play this midfield too. Is to have someone who can sit a bit deeper. That's one of the things that Defoe brought us that we've uh, we've, we've never really replaced, in my opinion. Um, someone who can just come and take the ball off the centre halves and, and play between the lines like that. And I think you can you can. Make Westwood and Brownell do it if you need to, but I don't think it's their instinct, and I think that is a big part of the problem that we've had in these last couple of games. So, yeah, for me, I would be looking, and not as you say, not because he's been playing badly per se, really, but because I think we need a bit of something different in the midfield for the Man United game. I think I'd be looking to to replace Brownell with with Cork. I think my midfield would be the same as yours for that game. Yeah, I I think it's interesting though because uh, you know trying to be balanced and you know not disregard Brownell in this game. I think Brownell and Westwood both started in midfield against Liverpool, didn't they? You're asking the wrong, you're asking the wrong blade. I'm sure you're right, but uh, no, nah, to be fair. Yeah, I'm just trying to think. To me, I think it's you know you can pin you know you you can say Brownell and Westwood. Obviously, you know should have been you know maybe sit one of them should have been sitting a bit deeper, and that's my opinion on it. But do you think it's coming from the coaching staff? It, well, it, it seems like it's clearly coming from the coaching staff to push higher up the pitch, which obviously like has its advantages because we have scored, you know, some more goals. I think you know Everton and obviously Arsenal, we scored two goals from you know from that forward press. But at the same time, it, it kind of leaves us that much more exposed in the centre of the midfield for players to run at us. So I think Dyches, I think against United, we will go obviously away from home. We'll go back to sitting a lot deeper, you know, trying frustrating, you know, winning set pieces, etc. But I think it's an interesting one moving forward long term. Does he stick with this kind of new approach where we are pressing a little bit higher, or does he go back to the method of being a little, you know, maybe our midfield being a little bit deeper so the defence doesn't get exposed? I wonder how much of it as well, um, Vidra affects that little balance. Um, so quite obviously, for the majority of the, the last few seasons, we've been playing with two big lads up top. You tend to see, especially Barnes, to a lesser extent, Rodriguez as well. They'll come and sit in when we're defending. They'll play more of a sort of, uh, you know, yeah. with number sort of number ten role, Barnes especially. And I wonder if so. Vidra obviously is uh, not got the kind of the physicality that, that Barnes Rodriguez would have got. He's also a player who's not going to thrive on a big, you know, a big pump forward. He's someone who we've seen look good when you slip the ball through to him in the channels. 
pull one back from the byline, um, you know, as he did uh, on Sunday. So I wonder if maybe that's coloured the thinking a little bit as well. Is like if the midfield is is twenty yards further back, you're going to struggle to supply Vidra. Whereas obviously, if you push him that bit further forward, you've got someone who's a bit more nimble, who's got quicker feet. If you're winning that ball further up the pitch, then you put your money on Vidra to turn and shoot where you wouldn't necessarily for someone like Barnes. So I wonder if that colours the thinking a little bit as well. So maybe, uh, I don't know what, what the situation is with Rodriguez, but I wonder if maybe even that would colour the thinking a little bit. Maybe you'd say, as well as Vidra's been playing, there's obviously the, the, something not quite right with the, with, the, uh, with the team maybe when he's in. So you, you'd think about maybe dropping him and putting Rodriguez in if you're going to stick with Brown and Westwood. What do you think about that? No, not not for me. I think Vidra and Wood has, has been the actual only positive in the last couple of games. I, I I completely understand where you're coming from. I know Dice has mentioned in the past that he liked his strikers, obviously, to do defensive work as well. But I think, you know, Vidra's kind of... he scored. I think I've seen he scored three goals in his last five games. And I think him and Wood are linking up really well. I don't, you know, I don't see the, the point in... I, I think that's counterproductive, really. I think... I, you just drop your midfield back 10 yards a little bit deep, in my opinion, you know, and maybe ask Wood to, you know, to fill in in a number 10. But you look at it, it's kind of, you know, we're still playing them balls into the channels. You know, you, you've seen the goal that Wood scored, uh, that Vidra scored on Saturday. You know, it, it was kind of, you know, a, I think, I'm pretty sure it was a ball into the channel by Peters, wasn't it? And obviously Wood's, it shows how slow Kieran Clark is that Wood's outpaced um, him there. You know, and it's, you know, it's, it's a really good goal. So, you know, I, I actually think it's given us more dimension. I just think we just need to be a little bit, and I'm and I'm not opposed to one of Westwood or Brownell going forward, but you know, if we are leading in games in the future, just be a little bit more savvy, and one of you just sit a little bit deeper, especially if the full, you know, like like you know that goal as well. You know, Eric Peters was up the pitch as well. You know, so we were just completely left. So yeah, no, I, I would definitely keep the same strike partnership. Um, but yeah, you know, maybe just give that little bit of a twist with Cork in midfield. Uh, would you just a final question on selection? Would you keep Peters in? No, because for, for me Taylor's a better player. So if you if you if you spit, then you play him for me. I do. I don't mind Peters. Man, he does a good job when he when he uh, when he fills in. I think, but yeah, just simple as that for me. I think Taylor's a better player. So if you spit, play him. Yeah, I can't argue with that. Um, you know, I I know. Th- just, just one more point and kind of on the games, you know, we're going to cover up maybe Southampton. I think Southampton and Newcastle kind of come under the same bracket. It's almost the same game. I know, but one was 3-2, one was 2-1. In a, in a way, i say Southampton were better over a longer period of, of, of time. But I, I've got sympathy. Dai said that, you know, he's not, you know, obviously the interviewer put to him that said Maximum's come off the bench and, and I've seen a stat this week that none of Burnley's substitutions have scored or assisted a goal this season, which obviously, yeah, you can't argue with that when St. Maximum comes on and an assists and scores in five minutes. But I would argue that the Villa game, it changed it and and it worked. You know, for, you know, for me, there was 20 minutes to go on, on Sunday. We looked dead and buried. Westwood, who's played a lot of football, um, you know, I've said, I've, you know, Westwood's maybe not been quite at his best this season, but at the end of the day, he's carried the midfield, really. You know, so 20 minutes to go, why not? Could you have brought Cork on and Taylor on? I know that we didn't have Lords on the bench, but we've still got two really good Premier League players uh, on the bench who could have come on. It may have not made one little bit of difference at all, but, you know, what's your, what's your, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, something actually that 
because you say Southampton and Newcastle games very similar. I actually thought the performance and sort of the level of uh, control of the game that we had was was a, a lot more. It was better in the Newcastle game. So Southampton, obviously, we, we batted them the first 20 minutes. Yeah. I think after that, they absolutely schooled us for a good sort of 30, 40 minutes. I think the Newcastle game, like I say, I think they only really played well for three minutes. That's not to detract from them because obviously that's all they needed to do. But uh, I think the problem that we had was that we were just down to the bare bones. So you say, obviously, could have brought Taylor on. I think that's like for like, to some extent, I think Peters does get forward well and he's got a decent ball on him. I think that that's the sub that I probably would have made, but I, yeah. I don't think it would have made a massive difference. Cork, the problem with bringing Cork on is, like we say, he's more defensive. So... Yeah, it's, you probably could have done with him for that goal, but then is he going to get you a goal in the last 20 minutes? I don't think so. I think you'd rather have Brown on for that. Um, and then when you look at out wider up front, we've got two centre-forwards fit, we've got two wingers fit. So your your scope for changing is is pretty slim there. And I think that the reason that we've got this stat of no goals and no assists off the bench is because for a lot, a lot a big part of the season, we haven't had a bench. Do you know what I mean? I, I mean, you know, it, it's nice to have young lads playing it's nice to be bringing people like Benson and Mumbongo on but you know would they be playing in a normal season would they be playing if we had sort of 20 22 23 man squad I don't think they're quite at the level to be, to be honest um you know Mumbongo got two three minutes which is a bit stupid on Sunday but at the same time you know I thought when he came on I thought well you know what difference is he going to make uh even if he had sort of 20 minutes I don't know what he what he might have done against Newcastle the major problem for me was <clears throat> I think we had a lot of the ball. We had a lot of control of the game for a, a, a large period of it. The trouble is we only had one plan, which was to sling balls in the box. Now, in a lot of games, the delivery has been bad, and that's why we haven't done much with them. I didn't think there was a lot wrong with the delivery on Sunday. The problem was they're playing three centre-halves. You've got one man in the box, what do you can win the headers. He's got two men on him every time. So the cross has got to be absolutely yeah. perfect to score from. And it... And I think we put some decent balls in, and I think you know another day against a team who are not sitting on a lead or against a team who are only playing two centre halves, we would have had a bit of joy. And I don't think it was a case of like, oh, you know, we're playing terribly here, every cross is going out for a throw in all this. I think the problem that we had was they defended quite well. <clears throat> we we weren't particularly, um, you know, we had we were pretty one dimensional. We were quite easy to, to to defend against in that respect. But we had nothing on the bench to change that. You know, if you bring Taylor on, is he going to get you playing through the middle? No, I don't think so. You know, uh, so that was the issue for me. And that's been the issue all season. Yeah, I think what Taylor can do a little bit more so than what Peters, he, he can actually run at players and get to the bar line a little bit more, you know, to try and get behind yeah. rather than crossing it from 20, 25 yards deep. And, I, I agree with what I thought our crosses from open play. Like, McNeil Mer, 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 put some great balls in and there's no one on the end of it. I know even you put in the group chat, Tom, didn't you, about corners? Yeah, they were. They, um, the, the frustrating thing about the corners was, you know, like, you get two or three and they all go at the keeper. Most games are only having two or three. We must have had, what, ten in that game? Yeah. And they do the same one every time. And it's like, some teams can't defend that, but Newcastle could. And it's like, just... just one or two, just do something different. We had um, 13 corners. Yeah, there you go. And every single one of them was like clipped in the six-yard box, wasn't it? I know I've been ranting about just straight at the keeper every game. Yeah. It's not working. Teams have got savvy to it now. You know, teams, you know, they protect the goalie as well. Yeah. Well, some, 
do it. Like that Guaita at Palace, you clip them into him all day because he'll drop them all. But Dubravka's a decent keeper. And then, like I say, that half their team is just centre halves, isn't it? So, yeah, it, it, you know, after the fifth or sixth, yeah, that's from, just pull one to the penalty spot or something. Just see what happens. It can't, you know, it's, the worst you can do is not score from it, and that's what we're doing anyway. So, yeah, that was a frustration. That, but again, I think that speaks to a sort of a, a lack of plan B that we've got, and part of that is down to the manager. But I, I think a big part of it, to be fair, is the lack of options on the bench, and that. That was our, for me. That was the major undoing on Saturday. I don't think we played that badly. We just had a bit of a mad five minutes, and then we didn't have, you know, we didn't have that option to to bring off the bench to change the game in the last twenty minutes. Yeah, I'm kind of like in between that. I think, like you said, with 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 Bruce, he just brings set maximum on. How easy is that? Like he's a top. He's he's, he's a brilliant player, isn't he? Who could? He's very raw still, but he he's got the ability, hasn't he, to go to a top six club, in my opinion. He's, he's, he's in the mould of Mares, isn't he? Do you know that type of player where there's not many players who can just beat players one-on-one and you know, and, and who's got a great strike in him. I think he's a very, very good player. But like I said, I think, like, yeah, you can say, oh, there's no plan B or you can be a bit more critical. So, so and just see, I thought was absolutely clueless in that second half after they scored the second goal. Just clueless. It was just painful to watch at times. To be fair, there's no plan B. That's not uh, not not a criticism. <laughs> that's, that's not. I'm not praising him. Yeah, I know. I know. What you mean. And I think that's the frustration. And I think this is why you know we we got to the bigger pitch, and, and obviously these palace links have have uh, been recirculating. And I think why no one has took a punt on Daesh, because when type when when plan A doesn't work, and like I said, Newcastle sat a little bit deeper. You know, we we just you know we we could have been playing till now, and I, and I, and I don't think we'd score. And we just like like you were saying, Tom, just putting balls into the box against three centre halves who were, you know, you, you see when Wood was running at them, they've got no pace. So that's where we're just crying out for somebody who, who can come. You know, we've we've needed it for years. Somebody who, who can play and, and beat somebody one on one with pace, just you know, to stretch teams. I know it's a no, you know, a wider issue, but all right. So uh, just one last thing to touch on, I think, from the match before we look at. Perhaps the wider uh, relegation battle you mentioned there, uh, obviously Fulham there. Uh, the, so Newcastle had a penalty shot in the first half. Uh, VAR decided it wasn't because uh, they said, I can't remember what, was it Longstaff? Said he ducked into Tarkovsky's boot. You and I saw this quite differently at the time. I will say I've not seen it back since I watched it live. Um, but uh, yeah, for you, uh, for you, it was a penalty. I think I'm right in saying. It's not that I think it is a penalty. I think in the modern game, I think it is a penalty. Does that make sense? Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, you think by the letter of. Yeah, so I'm just saying, like, it is a when I, I think it is a foul, and I think we're very lucky. I think what I would say to kind of obviously, I know you'll have your arguments about my not not arguments, the wrong word, uh, to about my view on it is when you go on social media for all these flaws, every single non Burnley supporting person said it was a penalty. So that's my kind of point for it and a goal. If that was up the other end, I think we'd want it. And yes, you can say that, well, what's Tarky supposed to do? But you can say that about any tackle, can't you really? 99% of the time, you've got to go for the ball and you might mistime it. So I know it's a bit different in that situation. He's, he's come from behind. And it's not like, in my opinion, it's not like Longstaff's dove 
really low and, and Taki's boot is really high and it has you know, he's kicked him in the head, hasn't he, ultimately. So um yeah, I think that that's that's my not that I listen, there's so many view, rules and, and everything that I disagree with. But so I don't think it's should be a penalty myself if I was to be in charge of the refereeing and the rules. But I think in the modern game, I, or what I would say, we were very, very, I, I thought it was very, very lucky to get away with it. As soon as I seen it back, said to me, Dad, that's a pen, that. And I, and, and, and I was surprised that he didn't go to his screen. It's interesting for me because the word he used there was, he's kicked him in the head. Now, the sort of, the way I've heard sort of non, like you said, like neutral is pretty much the way it was a penalty. But the way I've heard people talk about it, you think he'd come out with a fractured skull or like blood pouring down his face or something. To me, what happened when I, you know, is the ball's there. Tarkovsky kicks it out for a throw in. So I get, and like you said, you know, most tackles you're going for the ball. He has played the ball, hasn't he? Like he has played the ball. And and to to, to me, like, like I said, I've only seen it live. I haven't watched, you know, I couldn't face watching match the day or anything like that. But if he's caught him with his studs after, he's caught him very minimally. So the guy's not rolling around on the floor holding his face to his credit. He's not doing a song. He's felt the fingernail and, and dropped to the deck. Um, you know, he's not caught him. He's not bleeding. He might have caught, you know, he might have caught him. I don't think, I think it's a bit of a stretch to say that he kicked him in the head because he's played the ball and caught him a bit on the follow through. Now, to me, if the ref gives that in real time, then it's not getting overturned on the VAR. But to me, that's one that is not a clear and obvious one. And and I think he's not giving it in real time. And I can see why they've, they've said there there's not enough to overturn that. I do agree with you. I thought their reasoning was a little bit spurious. So they said, you know, he's ducked into the boot and that's why. And I do think, I agree with you. I think there's ducking, like diving header when it's on the floor. And there's ducking in slightly when the, when the foot's that high. But to me, I think if you're going to give a penalty for that, then what is, is it like if the ball's above head height, it's just like, oh, a free shot for you. Do you know what I mean? The ball's there. He can play that ball. It's there to be played. He has played the ball. He's caught the guy slightly on the follow through. You know, uh, and, I'd, you know, if he, say if he's got a, if he's done like that Leeds lad did against Man City, if he's got a bit of the ball and a lot of the man, then I'm not complaining. But for me, he's played the ball. He's caught the man slightly on the follow through. You know, he's, he's not going to need to get that stitched up or anything. I, I, I don't think that was a penalty. I think that would have been harsh. I think it would have been soft. But I can see you the point of view as well. I can't disagree with anything you said. I actually agree with any, with everything you've said. And I think you're right. But what I'm trying to allude to and I think what some Burnley fans missed the point was, with the way football is now, that's a foul. Anywhere else, anywhere else on the pitch, it, it is a foul. You know, you get if if that's twenty yards from our goal, it's a foul. And and and, and I just felt it, it was it, it it was going to be given. I think that's more my view on it than like I was saying before. You mentioned another point there, which I think was absolutely brilliant, and it and it goes to this wider issue. I think when VAR come in, it should all right, clear and obvious errors. Which so again, if that gets given on the field, that penalty, it shouldn't be overturned. But then you go to the United game, which was you know played after, and Song gets um, a foul for that. This is this is where we're like, what is going on? If it's not clear and obvious, then so I you know I don't mind that decision being a being you know obviously I'm happy and I don't really give two monkeys at the time. Um, but I, I'm just saying, with everything that I've seen this season and, and, and the, the decisions and everything, I was just I was more surprised 
than 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 anything. Um, so yeah, I think that's a good way to leave it, isn't it? Yeah, like you say, it's the random decision generator, and it sometimes with VAR. So yeah, probably on the right side of it this week. So looking at it then uh, as a whole, um, you, you touched on previously West Brom, Fulham, uh, are, are the only teams that we're realistically gonna are gonna drag us into it now. We've got we've still got seven points on Fulham. We've got ten on West Brom. Uh, I know you're I know you're a fan of Fulham. I know also that you, you're pretty sure that they haven't got a, a prayer of catching us. Uh, do you, let's uh, let's leave the, the are we going to get relegated to one side for it for this week because I, I personally think anyone who's who's worried about that who's uh, they need to chill out a little bit, get yourself down the pub now they're open, have a beer. But do you, do you think West Brom can do it? Do you think West Brom will catch uh, Brighton or Newcastle? Well, I think if you've got it, if you're taking West Brom catch Brighton or Newcastle, you've got to put us in there, though, Tom, haven't you? <laughs> so, so he does bring up the relegation battle anyway. Yeah. No, what I would say is always like, it's either, yeah, you, you can't avoid it. Um, I think, listen, I've been actually like, I watched the first half of that um, West Brom game and they, they were brilliant, you know. And also, and that's what's so annoying about that Southampton result. Mm. Is that we were two 0 up against them lot and we threw it away, but they were brilliant. Um, you know, you can say what you want about Big Sam, but I think his main, you know, some of the players that he's recruited, you know, look really good players to me. Um, you know, Mait- Maitland Niles would hundred percent get in our team. I really like that Yukoslu they've got in midfield. Obviously, full Turkish international, so he's obviously a good player. Obviously, they've they've, they've signed Diang and he's shown them up at the back. I think if you're looking at it. If there was another maybe seven or eight games, I think West Brom would be in for a really, really good shout. I still think they've left it late, and you know, you 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 know, you look at games of both Fulham and West Brom. You know, they've they've, they've still got some tough games in there. You know, and, and you're gonna, you know, West Brom's got to get ten points to overturn us. Um, in what? How many games is left? Seven games. Seven games. Yeah. You know, and full, we've got a game in hand in Fulham, so Fulham's going to get, well, seven to get level, eight to get above us, and they've got six games to do it. And they've got Arsenal away and Chelsea away next, and that's not even us getting another point. I know you can kind of get a bit too down, you know, with the recent games and say we're not going to get another, you know, and all this and get, you know, I, I, t- I tweeted on Sunday night, wouldn't it be us to go and beat United at Old Trafford? Because it's been that kind, kind of season. And I think, i seen a tweet, I don't know who put it, I think it might have been Phil Bird, and he said, you know, we've got victories at Arsenal, Liverpool and Everton, which I think, I think, we've, on, I think we've got one win at Everton away from home in all of the Premier League. And, you know, we, we, we never beat Arsenal at all. You know, we never beat Liverpool away. So to get them, what you know, those wins are massive. You know, and, uh, and, and I think you tweeted, Tom, which I thought was quite interesting and it made me think. It's almost like a good omen. That we've started to do well against those teams, in a way, even even though it's disappointing that we've dropped points against the worst teams. Because in theory, when the fans are back, you'd expect us to be a little bit better. But it's depends what way you look at it. In it, you could look at it on the flip side and that and go, well, with fans in, it's going to be even more difficult going to the big six. So what's going to happen then if we're not picking points up against the weaker teams? But I think this season, I think. I know, obviously, George, who's one of our regular podcasters, has, has kind of, you know, been a bit more disengaged with this season. And kind of, I think after the defeat on Sunday, that was the first time where I felt, I wouldn't say disengaged, disengaged is the wrong word, but just flat about football. 
in general. I, I don't know why. They were just so peed off, basically. But, yeah, you know, we're, we're going to be fine, aren't we? Listen, if we go down now, it's a, you know, we deserve everything we get because, basically, we'll have had to lose nine games in a run after that Everton. So, you know, we'll... Listen, we've got some decent games coming up. You know, we I know United's going to be tough, but we've got a great record there. We you know Wolves aren't playing well, and I thought we, I thought Wolves we played really well at home this season. Um, you know, so I still think we'll have enough to get out of it. And you, you know, just go and look at kind of Newcastle's got some horrific games coming up now. Liverpool's got uh, Fulham's got some really tough games, and I think like you said, West Brom's just left it a bit too late. Yeah, I think people forget as well. So we've still got Fulham away to play. If we go there and don't get beat, that's that's them not catching us for me. And then yeah, if, if we take a draw though, it, it will set up yeah, defensively. Quite a be a good a good result there. And then if by some you know horrendous catastrophe, with we're still in with a chance of getting relegated. Last game of the season, we're playing Sheffield United. You know that's the fixture you want. So uh, you know if if it gets to that stage, yeah. we've still got a really good chance. But I don't think it will. I think we're going to be all right. But it's interesting what you said there about uh, you well, yeah. know, the lack of anger. When you look at West Brom, next two, they've got Leicester Villa away. Yeah, tough games. They're not going to win both of them, are they? So, no, yeah. so yeah, I was going to say, so, yeah, I think this season it, it is a difficult one to engage with just purely because you're not there. So, for me, like, this season is not a good season to be doing well in. You know, you think of, like, Leeds, that, that amazing win at Man City. You think, like, first top flight season back for however yeah. many years. Imagine, imagine having like, oh, this is a good season, but you didn't actually see any of it. You know, I'd rather do what we're doing. If we, do you know what I mean? Just let all the all I wanted out of this season. Let's just stay up, and next year when yeah. we go again, we can go and watch Premier League football. So we haven't missed too much, you know. And I think the tweet that you mentioned, the way I was looking at it was that's it. Yeah, the way I was looking at it was like this season we've, you know, we've been bad at home against these smaller teams, and we're not normally like that. And to me, that's probably not not a big stretch to suggest that if we had fans in some of these games, would have got more points. So the way I'm looking at it is, you know, if this season we need, uh, you know, if next season we need another sort of 10, 15 points improvement, say something like that, there's an obvious place we can go and get an extra 10, 15 points. Now I take your point, we're probably not going to win at yeah, Anfield, Goodison and Emirates next season, but we can make some points back quicker. You know, if we beat in the teams around us at home, like we normally do, then uh, there's there's an opportunity to improve and improve quickly next season. So for me, that's uh, that's a putting a positive spin on it. Yeah, I think going back to I I make two points. Going back to your earlier one, it's almost like then when we do win because when we got that win at Liverpool, it's almost bittersweet because it's yeah. like oh imagine being there, you know it's kind of it has that little bit of a feel to it, doesn't it? Um, you know I've said all along just just stay up this season. The squad's depleted. You know, we've we've had a change in ownership. You know, Mike Garlic left us in the in the mire. Simple as people can defend him. That's up to them. But in my opinion, Mike Garlic's left them in the absolute. You know, left the squad in the mire. And sometimes when you get frustrated with Dyche and the players, you've got to remember the bigger picture of how difficult the Premier League is. And you know, Newcastle. You know, Newcastle fans mourn about Mike Ashley. Okay, fair enough. You know, they're a bigger club than us, or bigger club than most teams in the Premier, if you'd like them to believe it. But at the end of the day, they've still spent massive money. You know, Sem, I don't know how much Sem Maximum was, but decent amount of money. You know, Wilson, yeah, it's a free transfer, but they've given him 100 and odd grand a week, which we couldn't do. So, you know, you've still got that element to it. 
And I seen the other day made me laugh. It's almost like football this season hasn't happened in the Premier League. You know, especially if Norwich and uh, Brent and uh, say Norwich and Watford come back up, it's just like starting yeah. from twenty nineteen. Yeah, that's how I feel. Yeah, Bournemouth get up in the playoffs too. <laughs> Fingers crossed. They're six points back next season if they come back up. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so speaking of uh, next season going on, being able to watch it again in the flesh, uh, the, another big talking point off the pitch this week and the last couple of weeks has been season ticket renewals. Uh, <laughs> you're just shaking your head at me. That's a, that says it all. Uh, uh, let's say it's a bit of an arduous process. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm, I'm not gonna lie. I got my dad to do mine, uh, and he and I, he seems to have done it. But uh, I wouldn't have had a clue where to start. I know you had a bit of trouble. Uh, yeah, well, talk us through a bit. You know the kind of troubles that you had and how you found it. Because like I said, I haven't done it first hand myself. But yeah, so well done, Daddy Whitaker. He's done well. My dad wouldn't have a clue. The only thing my dad's good at is building houses, so um, he'd be no good at that. Um, or just. I, you know, I, I'm quite anxious about stuff like this. I, I don't know why, because it'll always get started. But so, um, so basically, what happened was, so my dad was is linked to my account. So I went on mine to the on account, followed that FAQ form, read it, read it, read it, read it over and over again. So there was an on account balance to renew my dad's season ticket. So it took like two minutes to do. But mine, no matter what I tried, I tried set up a new account, link my ticketing number to this new account, you know, different, you know, I tried to put my account onto my dad's and just, you know, loads of different things, basically. E- emailed um, that that um, an email address. The response I got was just follow the FAQ page, which was extremely frustrating. So then what I... So then... Uh, eventually, after a long time trying, I got through to the ticket office and they, obviously they put my ticket in, uh, my Claret's number in, and it come up with my auntie's name. And I'm like, what? How's that work? So I run my auntie up and she was like, right. So thankfully for me, my auntie runs a supporters club, uh, Central Lanks Claret's. Uh, so if there's anybody listening from there. Um, and what, 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 what happened is because Sometimes for away games, because I go with a supporters club, my auntie orders tickets. My on-account balance had gone to my auntie's Claret's number. So I had so all that so all that stuff I was trying to do just didn't work whatsoever. And then basically, I've spoken to over a few people from different supporters groups, and they've had the same issue that their on-account balance has gone to maybe somebody who's ordered them a ticket, but who's like random. So. That's, so that's just the issue I have. So in essence, I understand what Burnley's done because say if like, because the process like for me, dad, it literally took me two minutes. So if everything's linked up correctly, it's fine. But say for whatever reason, what what somebody, some someone's done at Burnley or somewhere across the line, in, in, in certain situations, if somebody else has ordered a ticket for you, your, account, your on-account balance has gone to them, if that makes sense, Tom. Yeah. Bizarre, isn't it? Yeah, I, I... yeah. So just so so but so just bizarre. So basically, yeah, it was never so. All the information that was on that FAQ page was 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 never gonna work. And I think just in general, obviously, people's been having the frustration, and I don't know single people are because I know it's difficult the lo- the logistics of everything, and you're dealing with thousands of thousands of people and different Clarets numbers, supporters clubs, and 
people might buy tickets for friends and families. So I know it's difficult, but at the same time, it, you know, it, you know, it's, it's a, you know, we do need to improve that a little bit and be a bit more streamlined if we are going to move everything to kind of doing it online. And, it, and it's different. You know, I mentioned my dad there joking. You know, there's a lot of people who aren't computer technology savvy. You know, and and you know, why can't you ring up and just kind of just do it? I don't get it at all. Just ring up a number if you don't want to do it online. Job done. I'll do it. Send a postal application on. The last point I'm going to mention because I've been rabbiting on for ages is why, if you've been paying direct debit, why did why did you not just freeze your direct debit for a year and then just carry it on? Or say to you, go free or stop the direct debit you paid. You do it. I don't know. I've heard as well there isn't a direct debit option for next season, is there? So that was something that people talked about having for a long time, something that they brought in to make it easier to buy the season ticket, and then they're taking the option away again, which seems very strange to me. That's just going to put people off, I would have thought, in a season where you'd be desperate to get people back through the door. See, that, that seems completely daft to me. Like, now, now I've been working full-time for a few years... I could have thought, you know, thankfully, I, I could afford to pay for a season ticket in one go. But say three, four years ago, I had to pay, I would have had to pay direct debit because I wouldn't have had the money to fork out 300, you know, depending on where you sit, 300, 400 quid. And they're on about maybe, I know it's not been decided, uh, but the, you know, the ticket, season ticket prices might increase. So I think obviously Alan Pace has come in, he's done some good stuff, which, you know, we're going to allude to later. But I think if he, you know, considering the support and with COVID, I know the club's not blessed with loads of money, but I think a really bad way to come across would be to increase ticket prices, you know, especially for people who's probably been hit hard during COVID times. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, we'll try and and end on a couple of positives. Certainly one uh, related to the tickets, something you brought to our attention today, reporting the Athletic today that it's looking like Premier League are going to let fans in for the last two games of the season. They've been moving the game against uh, against Liverpool to a, a midweek in order to bring it just in line with the government allowances for letting fans into the stadium. So it'd be a bit of a pain for me getting up to Burnley on a Tuesday night as opposed to Saturday while we're living in Derby. But it's optimistic news. It's uh, obviously probably urge everyone to to double check what they're doing in terms of the online tickets and that, if that's a game they want to go to, because I'm assuming you'll have to have that sorted in some manner. But positive news, and it's something to look forward to, hopefully, if uh, if that does come to pass and everything everything works out. Yeah, it's a, I think I, I read it's 25% capacity. Is that right? So that'll be interesting how they're going to do it. Are they going to do it on a loyalty? Yeah. It's hard, so it's 25 So for us, it's 25%. Or if you've got a big enough stadium, so like Old Trafford, they'll allow 10,000 people in. So I think it's roughly about, be around, be around 5,500 for us, wouldn't it? Something like that. And, and there's and there's no away fans. Uh, yeah, 4,500. So it's going to be interesting the way they do it. I'm 50-50 on it. I know I brought up this discussion a while ago. I personally, I know it's really difficult. I personally would just rather go back next season when it's all full again. But at the same time, if I get the opportunity to go to Turf Mall and I'm, and I'm lucky enough, after not being there for so long, I don't think I could turn it down. So It'll be interesting because I think, like you say, 
<clears throat> five and a half thousand. You think they're only going to pick from season ticket holders, probably 11 or 12,000, I think we've got maybe. But then how many of them are not going to want to go? How many of them live away and be difficult to make it on a Tuesday night, that kind of thing. So I'm hoping for everyone who wants to, there's going to be an opportunity. But yeah, hopefully we'll, we'll hear a bit more about that, a bit more a bit more fleshing out the detail in the next few days. But watch that, watch this space, keep an eye on that because hopefully that'll be some good news. Uh, and I think it'd be nice to finish on another bit of good news, um, which is uh, the Burnley women's team. So obviously we're going to Old Trafford this weekend, but not the only Burnley team that's playing Man United this weekend. Um, the women's uh, Northern Premier League, you may not know, it was suspended and voided like most of the sort of the, the lower leagues. So I think it's only the top two divisions of women's football that are still going. But the women's FA Cup has carried on. And uh, so far, since the resumption, uh, Burnley women have gone through two rounds, beat Sunderland in the last round, which was a good win because last, the, not the season that's just been voided, but the season before, Sunderland women were running away with the division that Burnley women are currently playing in. So that is a difficult game. So they did well to win that one. And the reward is obviously one of the biggest uh, one of the biggest teams in the Women's Super League. It's Casey Stoney's Man United. So, uh, yeah, I think a bit of positive off-field news. You alluded to, obviously, the the focus that's been put more on the women's team since Pace has become the chairman. I think that's, that can only be a good thing. And uh, it, it will be nice to, it's nice to have some sort of positive results to talk about. And, uh, you know, hopefully it will be a, a double-header victory on on Sunday, the the men's team winning at Old Trafford and, and obviously the women's team winning in the cup as well. Uh, so yeah, I wanted to mention that. It's uh, I do follow them. They, they they play in the same league as Derby, which is where I live, and uh, the Derby women's team play in the village that I live in. So I always go and watch them if they are playing in Derby. I don't know if you've if you've got to any games up, up where you are, Rich. No, I've not got to you know to to any games. Um... It's, yeah, I think it's fantastic. I think obviously, I think it's, it's a brilliant move that the new board and the new regime has done. It shows that you know they're, they're in it for the right. Well, it's it's an indication that they're in it for the right reasons. And yeah, seeing obviously, you know they got a fantastic win, a penalty shootout, which is always nice and dramatic too. So yeah, fingers crossed for you know for a double header on on Sunday. I think I don't know if it would work the logistics in the Premier League, but wouldn't it be you know really good? Let 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 let's say the women kick off. You know, before the men's team play on a Saturday, and you can go watch them. You know, when you know, say if you got a season ticket, you you know you can get into both games. I know they do that in in cricket. So I went watching Lancashire Yorkshire in a T Twenty, um, and they did it where obviously it's slightly different names, but essentially Lancashire Yorkshire women's team played before. So when you and you and you and you got a double header, so. I don't know if you know, say with with a you know maybe with the pitch the and and everything or the Premier League rules. So yeah, I think that would be great. No, but it's it's a you know it's really good news. I think that's you know making the women's team professional is the, is certainly the best thing that Alan Pace and his and his and his team have done so far. So yeah, and good luck to Matt B and uh, you know and all the girls playing. Yeah, definitely, definitely something I'd be interested in as well. And I think what we will get hopefully with with it being brought under the umbrella of the club is a little bit more focus a little bit more sort of innovation and, and attention to that side of things. It's a good idea that you propose. So yeah, hopefully, fingers crossed, we can see something like that next season as well. Um, so yeah, that about brings us brings us up to, uh, to speed. Obviously, Sunday, as I say, it's been a happy hunting ground for us in the last few seasons. It's been a while since we've actually lost at Old Trafford. Given the way they're playing, knowing the way, way we're playing, do you see that continuing? Uh, do you think a few of Man United's players are going to have to go without the dinner after that game? Or... Do you think uh, do you think it's going to be a bit of a 
a bit of a crash down to earth in terms of the experiences that we've had at Old Trafford in the last few seasons. I think there's one thing with Burnley, and I think you can never write them off as, you know, they frustrate the life out here, and most of the time, and, and sometimes in the Premier League, it can be very, very difficult. But at the same time, they pull out these results. So I think we'll go back to being really dogged and, and, and determined. Dice will be really kind of wanting his... And, and, and I think the players after the last two games will want to put on a, a better show and, and be more organised, you know, and you know, really show that Burnley way, if you will. So, yeah, you know what? I'm going to say we're, we're going to get a boring nil-nil draw. I like your confidence. Fingers crossed. I would absolutely rip your hand off for a boring nil-nil draw right now. So, touch wood. Uh, no, you don't have to predict any goal scorers when you do that either. So that's a sensible, sensible option. I'm going to say we'll go 2 0 up like we do every time and we'll hang on for a 2 1 this time. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. All right then. I think that's about us covered, mate. Unless you had anything else that you wanted to bring up. No, that that's all it. That's it. I think it was quite balanced. I wasn't too angry. So, yeah. You seem a bit more cheerful than I was expecting, Rich. So thanks very much. Hopefully, I've managed to cheer you up a little bit as well. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> all right then. Thanks a lot then. Thanks very much to everybody for listening. Uh, and we'll get you next time. Fingers crossed. We'll on Sunday. Take care. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the Pro Pilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.